Hello, my name is Amanda McBroom. I wrote a song called The Rose that Bette Midler turned into a big hit. I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Here we go again. It's time for another episode of On Screen and Beyond, episode 488 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, Amanda McBroom is going to be joining us. Amanda has written the song, The Rose. Huge hit by Bette Midler, and she's written all kinds of other music for other shows and movies and things like that. So many things we're going to talk about with her, and she's got a new show coming up that is going to be at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California for March 1st, Thursday, March 1st at 7.30. If you're in that area, get your tickets because it's going to be a great show. Amanda McBroom coming up pretty soon right here on On Screen and Beyond. And we are going into what's coming your way into theaters and on Blu-ray and DVD in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, what's coming your way in theaters in March as far as remakes? Well, let's start off with Death Wish, which originally was done, what, in the 80s, I think it was, with uh, Charles Bronson. And it's getting the remake treatment on March 2nd, this time starring Bruce Willis. Tomb Raider. Wasn't that long ago that that was uh, done by Angelina Jolie as far as uh, playing uh, the Tomb Raider. And uh, the remake is going, being released on March 16th. And let's see. The story of Sherlock Holmes gets an animated treatment in Sherlock Gnomes on March 23rd. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next in On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies in theaters in March? Theatrical releases coming your way in March as far as upcoming new movies. March 2nd, Jennifer Lawrence becomes an action hero spy thriller in Red Sparrow. And the horror story, The Strangers, Pray at Night with Christina Hendricks will be arriving on March 9th. Gringo hits theaters on March 9th with Charlize Theron. And Disney's A Wrinkle in Time with Reese Witherspoon slides into theaters also on March 9th. The animated Isle of Dogs with Brian Cranston arrives on March 23rd. And Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One opens on March 29th. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as sequels in March? This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. Ethics is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. Ethics is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Sequels coming your way in March in theaters. Well, Pacific Rim Uprising flies into theaters on March 23rd, and God's Not Dead, A Light in Darkness on March 30th. 
That's it for Sequel City coming your way in theaters. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in March? It's next. TV on DVD, March 6, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Season 9. The Good Fight, Season 1. Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, Season 3. That's also coming on March 6th. March 13th, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Season 1. Fear the Walking Dead, Season 3. The Handmaid's Tale, Season 1. And Major Crimes, Season 6. March 20th, Archer's Back, Archer, Season 8. And Lou Grant, Season 5. March 27th, it looks like The Americans, Season 5, Emergency Season 2, Legion, Season 1, Mr. Robot, Season 3.0, and One Day at a Time, Season 1, and Peyton Place, Part 3. That's it for TV on DVD coming your way in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to tell you what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD in March. Movies on DVD in March, March 6th, Thor Ragnarok, Lady Bird. The Man Who Invented Christmas will all be coming on March 6th. March 13th, Justice League, Ferdinand, The Shape of Water, I, Tonya, The Disaster Artist, and Call Me By Your Name. March 20th, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Pitch Perfect 3, and Downsizing. And March 27th, Star Wars, The Last Jedi all be arriving on DVD. That's it for movies coming your way on DVD in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond, TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. It looks like NBC has renewed Superstore for a fourth season. Netflix will bring Lost in Space back to TV next month. And don't look for... The fun, campy 60s-type show that Lost in Space was. This one's going to be more serious. And Lauren Cohen, Maggie from The Walking Dead, plays a CIA agent in a new pilot for ABC. Now, if the show is picked up, what's happening to Maggie? We'll keep you informed on that one. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it is Celebrity Birthday. Celebrity birthdays on February 26th, Michael Bolton turns 65. On February 27th, Adam Baldwin turns 56. March 1st, Ronnie Howard, Opie, turns 64, also Richie Cunningham. And uh, March 2nd, Daniel Craig, James Bond, turns 50. And on March 4th, Patricia Heaton turns 60. That's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, yo, we got one. <laughs> Haven't had many lately, but uh, or at least not for this month anyway. So, but if you, a friend or relative, are going to be having a birthday, send the information to us here at On Screen and Beyond. We'll all celebrate it with you. Wish you a very happy birthday. You can send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com and uh, send it in plenty of time so we make sure we have it in time. And let's see, let's, uh, Landon T. of Washington, D.C. turns 56 on March 3rd. That's it for listener birthdays, and uh, we want to wish everybody a happy birthday, our listeners and also celebrities. And uh, remember, if you have one, send it to us. And that's it for celebrity and listener birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Amanda McBroom is going to be joining us. She's the writer of The Rose. 
great song, big hit by Bette Midler. She's also uh, done voiceover work, and she's done TV shows and all sorts of stuff. A lot of music, of course. She's a great singer. And uh, she has a concert coming up at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California, on March 1st. That's a Thursday night. If you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, do not miss this one. This is going to be another great concert there at the Orinda Theater. Be sure to check it out. Amanda McBroom, very intimate show. It's coming up next. She's going to talk all about it right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is a singer, songwriter, and actress who has appeared on numerous TV shows as well as voiceover work. As far as songs she has written, how's this? The Rose, which of course was a monster hit by Bette Midler. She will be performing at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California on Thursday, March 1st at 7.30 p.m. as part of their monthly concert series. It's Amanda McBroom. Amanda, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. I am very delighted to be talking to you. Now, Amanda, uh, you're going to be in Orinda, and yeah. I'll tell you, they've th- this concert series that they've been doing is it, it's it's amazing. I mean, it, it's such an intimate place to do a concert. I don't know if you've been to Orinda or not before. I have not, although ca- Californian that I am, but I'm a Southern Californian, mm-hmm. so I haven't been up to Orinda. But I hear it's beautiful. Yes, it is very much so. And uh, it's, I, I don't know what kind of venues you usually play, but it's a very small, intimate theater, and it's, it's, the, the people are just going to love it, having you there, I'm sure. I can't wait. I've, I have played everything from somebody's living room to Carnegie Hall, <laughs> and intimate is my favorite adventure. Mm-hmm. Now, give us a little idea about how your, your show works. Uh, are you interactive, or how does it work? Well, I'm incredibly friendly. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I come down and sit in people's laps, <laughs> but I um, I love to make I love to what I'd call a, make them private parties, so that everybody has a good time. And I I have a brilliant pianist. Her name is Michelle Browerman, who is also my favorite songwriting partner, and a great jazz bassist. And the three of us become a full symphony orchestra, and we do a very eclectic evening, uh, a lot of my own material, of course, mm-hmm. and then some standards so people ear, people's ears can relax. And um, it's generally a really good time. There's a lot of laughter involved, and there's occasionally the hankies come whipping out. So you know, I call it, a, you know, if you if it, back in the old days of Disneyland, I would call what I do an e-ride. <laughs> now, it, it, now... It, you you can't tell me that you don't do the rose. Obviously, you got to do oh, the rose, please. right? <laughs> no, I do the I'll do the rose until I fall over. <laughs> well, that, that that's I mean that's great because I'm sure that's the one you know if anything the one song everybody's going to want to hear you do. <laughs> oh yeah, and besides which I love it. I mean, it was a miracle in my life. It changed my life forever. It brought me to the concert stage. It, it's just been a huge gift to me, and I'm delighted that other people want to hear it, too, so I'm always happy to sing it. Yeah. Now, how did you become a singer? Was it when you were a little girl growing up, or what? Oh, I've been singing since I was three years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of those people, you open the refrigerator door, and I'll give you 20 minutes. 
<laughs> and uh, yes, my parents encouraged me. My daddy was in the movies. My dad was an actor, and my mother was a drama teacher. Oh, so okay. there's no way I wasn't going to be on some form of stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to sing all the time, and I was in plays a lot. I've done a lot of theater and Broadway and stuff like that. Um, and but and the singing and the songwriting, I always sang. The songwriting came as a surprise. I never knew that I could do that. Really? That came across, came up later in my life. But the singing has always been there. Mm-hmm. So it was acting. I know you did a lot of TV shows uh, a while back. And uh, is, was that before the singing? Uh, well, I always sang. Right. But the yeah. acting, I was going to be Liza Minnelli. I was going to be a big-time you know, movie or mm-hmm. Broadway star. <laughs> so there was singing and there was acting all mixed together. And I wound up uh, doing a lot of... Uh, Shakespeare when I came out of college, and then musical theater. So the singing was always there, but uh, I had never intended to have a singing concert career. I always thought it was going to be movies or Broadway. Mm-hmm. Now you've done Broadway, oh, and yeah. uh, you, you know you do a lot of stage work and things like that. Uh, as far as being on stage or being on on a TV show, and, and, and I'm just going to give my audience a, a, an idea of what some of the shows you were on. You were on Love American Style, Lou Grant, MASH, uh, Starsky and Hutch, Star Trek, The Next Generation, uh, you know, a lot of different shows. Is Is being on stage for Broadway, not necessarily singing, but for Broadway, mm-hmm. or being in front of the camera for TV shows closer to your heart or oh absolutely live live me and, and me and people mm-hmm. me and an audience is my favorite way to go uh-huh. absolutely i i have a rather large persona and when i am in front of a tv camera i have to pull it back because otherwise it looks you know as you know if people when their face is 12 feet tall on a screen you have to be subtle so i'm not really good at subtle it's just not my life force <laughs> So uh, being on stage in front of people makes me much happier and is much easier. Mm-hmm. That interaction, even though, I mean, you're not talking to one person, you know, you've got a, probably an audience. I don't know how many people are in the Broadway theater, but, uh, you know, it must be huge. So, uh, but still, there's that connection, I think. Don't, don't you agree? Absolutely. Oh, yes. And a live audience becomes one creature after a certain point. If you mm-hmm. If you've got them... If you're doing your work correctly, everybody starts to breathe together, laugh together, move together, and they become one large, wonderful, warm, living entity. And you can communicate with that. And it becomes a ball game. I bounce the ball to you. You bounce the ball back to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said earlier, you did uh, you do voiceover work also, right? I have, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and how, how do you like that? Now, now, a lot of people tell me the same answer, so I'm just waiting to hear if you say the same thing. But how do you like uh, voiceover work? I enjoy voiceover work tremendously. You don't have to put on mascara. <laughs> that's it. Uh, it, it. It's fun. That's that's the most fun. That's something you can almost do in your pajamas. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it's and it pays quite nicely. But theater is, you know, on live stage is my, still my baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the, what's your favorite live performance stage show that you've done? Oh, show. Oh, well, it's, oh gosh, toss up, toss up between Sweeney Todd, which is probably the hardest thing I've ever done on a musical stage, mm-hmm. and of course the thing that started me in musical theater, which is a fabulous show called Jacques Brel is Alive and Well and Living in Paris, 
which I was first cast in the first national tour in uh, when I was 21, and I've been singing his songs ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's the, some of the most powerful music I've ever heard in my life, and I was so thrilled to be able to do it. Yeah. Do you do any of these those songs in your your current show that you're going to be doing, like in Arena? I do. Ah, okay. When you started in, on TV, did you think you were going to move away from stage? I'm, I was willing to do any, you know, anybody offer me a job, I'll do it. <laughs> you want me to wash your dog, I'll do it. <laughs> Especially, you know, if I get to sing and dance while doing it. So I was game for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where did the songwriting come into play and, and you know, how did that work out? Uh, it, it came as a surprise. I've always loved words. My my father and my mother were both, you know, very, you know, into language. So I've always been a lover of language. And I guess I started writing while I was doing and yet another version of Jacques Brel. I think we were in, doing it in Cincinnati. And I had a night off and I had a guitar because I've been a folk singer all my life. Okay. I thought at one point I was going to be Judy Collins, but there already is Judy Collins. <laughs> so I had to give that one up. But I was a folk singer, and one night when I wasn't working, I just picked up my guitar, and uh, something came out, and I played it for my beloved, and he said, you just wrote a song. I said, I think so, and he said, and it's really good. So I just started as a hobby. I just started piddling around with my guitar or a piano, and uh, it was just a fun uh, external exercise. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) excuse me, then I met the woman who has become my favorite songwriting partner, and now my my pianist, Michelle Browerman, and she was a professional songwriter, and I had just written this little ditty called The Rose, and and it was just sitting on my piano. And uh, at one point she came to me and she said, you know, there's this film that they're about to shoot called The Rose, and you've got a song, uh, do you want me to submit your song? And I didn't know anything about submitting songs. I wasn't a professional. So I handed her my little El Chizo cassette, and she uh, was able to submit it with her own series of songs to the producers, and they liked it, and that's how it got in the show. And then everybody, and then it got attention, and, you know, Bet won the Grammy, and I won a Golden Globe, and, and all of a sudden people looked at me and said, oh, you're a songwriter. And I kept saying, no, I'm not. I'm an actress. No, I'm not. And finally, my husband said to me, honey, what do you think is paying the mortgage right now? Don't you think you should take responsibility for this gift you seem to have? And I finally had to say, okay, I guess I'm a songwriter. (laughs) And uh, the the, the gentleman who had been playing the piano for the film had a record company, a fabulous audiophile label called Sheffield Lab. And he said to me one day, I'm going to make a record with you. And I said, okay, another left turn. And the two albums that I made with him became major audiophile uh, albums. And people who distribute audio equipment and speakers used to use my voice to sell expensive high-end speakers. So I started to get a reputation. I I believe they called me in Las Vegas, Our Lady of the High End. And uh, all of a sudden, I became a recording artist. So who knew? Go figure. <laughs> Jeez. Now, um, I can remember back in the the Disney animated movie, um, 101 Dalmatians. I remember mm-hmm. one of the opening scenes in there, the guy is at the piano, 
And if you remember the, I don't know if you remember the movie, but the the guy was a piano player, mm-hmm. the owner of the dogs. And I can't remember if he always said lyrics first and melody second, or melody first and lyrics second. I can't remember. But how do you do it? How is it? Is it together, or is it a mix, or is it individual? If I'm writing by myself, it's almost always. Um, I'll get a lyric thought first. I'll have a, a story will pop into my head, and then I'll sit down at the piano and I'll do them together. If I'm writing with Michelle, I will. The words will come to me, and I'll send them to her, and she will whip out a melody, a stunning melody. She's a great composer, and then she'll send it back to me. We can do it by the phone in like over the phone in four or five hours. We can whip out a tune. Wow. Uh, yeah, and so it's you for me. It's all about the story. So the story comes first, and then the music. A couple of times. Someone has given me words, and has, and I have composed uh, music to that. But I'm a, I'm actually a words first girl most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, now just so our audience knows, uh, they they'll recognize your music if they've seen Land Before Time film series or the uh, the Balto movie yes. too. Um, so or the Chipmunks Meet Frankenstein. Anyone who has a five-year-old yep. or has had one in the last <laughs> ten to fifteen years has probably heard our music rattling through their house. Yeah, yeah, and they they don't even know it. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean the Rose, of course, everybody knows that, you know, definitely. But the other ones, uh, you know, they everybody, the, the kids, all the kids watch those movies. I mean, oh yeah, you know, I'm so delighted. Yes, it's so much blame. fun to write music for kids because mm-hmm. it's not love songs. Yeah. It's songs about, you know, mud and friendship, and that's a, just a way fun thing to do because it's really hard to write love songs. They've all been, you know, everybody writes love songs, and it, you, there's just so much differentiation you can make in a I love you, lo- you love right. me song. <laughs> Whew, it's hard work. <laughs> so yeah, you've been writing. Did, did you write, uh, what is it, Land Before Time? They're up to, what, number 14 or something like that? Uh, yeah, they're, I think it's either 14 or 15 Have now. you done them yeah. all? No, Michelle and I started with Land Before Time 3. Oh, okay. And we've done all of the Land Before Time since 3. Randy Newman wrote the first one, and I think uh, Leslie Brickus wrote the second one. Hmm. Now, how is it working on, on, a, on a film like that? Are, are, do you wait until the film is complete, and then you add no, to it? No, uh, when they start creating... When they, after they've written their story long before they animate, when they, we all sit together in a room and decide where the songs should go and who should sing them. And then Michelle and I go off and we write uh, a song and submit them until they say, yes, that's exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. That's what a baby dinosaur would say. <laughs> and uh, then they, uh, Michelle will, write what they, will do what they call a demo where she will orchestrate and will either she or I or somebody will sing the song and then the animators will animate to the song as written so that they can match mouth movement uh, to the yeah. words that have been recorded already. Yeah. Now, now are you a, a, a method, method uh, actor slash songwriter when you're doing this? Are you, you know, are you thinking what a dinosaur would be singing or saying? <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you call that method, but absolutely. If I'm writing for character, it's like writing a mini Broadway show. You're writing for a character. You're mm-hmm. you're writing what that character thinks. It's very specific. Who are they? What do they want? And who are they singing to? Mm-hmm. And where are they? Yeah, it's really fun. It's much more fun than having to make something up on your own because you are. Somebody has said to you, "Okay, here's the baby Triceratops. She's mad at her father, and she's stomping through the mud." 
Easy. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> so do they give you an idea of, of what they're saying? or? We all get together. and you know, A script has already been written okay. with dialogue. And we'll go in and we'll look at it and we'll say, oh, well, this piece of dialogue we can turn into a song. So we know what the script writer intended for her to be saying, and then mm -hmm. we just turn it into song lyrics. Yeah, wow. Huh. It sounds like quite a process. It must be oh, it's so much fascinating fun. To, to see something like that. They should uh, they should film those things so we can watch it in the extras. Somebody should make a doc of it sometime. They're, they're bound to have made documentaries, you know, the how-tos of some of these. And it's it's really fun to watch. And you'll see everybody who does them is laughing all the time. Hmm. Yeah. Except the animators who have to work so hard. Right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you have any other projects that are in the works or anything? That, uh... Well, let's see. I have a brand new CD that just came out, which I'm really excited about, called Voices. And the most exciting part is that for the first time in 20 years, I have re-recorded The Rose as a duet with Vince Gill. Oh, and wow. And it's just awesome. Yeah. It's just awesome. I'm so excited. Wow. So we got that. I have that. And then Michelle and I are uh, have are in the middle of writing music for another animated feature for DreamWorks, and we're not allowed to say the name yet, mm -hmm. but yeah. it's something that you know six-year-olds will like a lot, God, you know, God willing. And uh, then we've we've just started working on a new uh, thea theatrical musical. Wow! So so you're keeping busy, <laughs> huh? trying to stay out of the pool hall. And, and you're you're going around doing uh, your, and your I'm cabaret not, and show. I'm warbling, yes, which yeah. is my favorite thing in the world to do. Yeah, that's that's great. Jeez. And, and and I can't stress enough, the tickets are going fast, very Good. fast. I'm delighted to hear that. <laughs> and if our if there's anybody in the East Bay area, in Orinda, California, or San Francisco area around there, they better hurry because the tickets, there's not many left. It's just, And it's going to be really, really fun. Oh, I'm sure it will be. It, it's uh, something they don't want to miss. I mean, this series that they've started doing, uh, is, uh, it, it's just exploding. And it, everybody who goes comes out saying how how intimate it is and how fun. And, you know, it's because, of course, people like you <laughs> who are well, so yeah, energetic. The, th the thing about it is it's, Everybody gets so caught up in either going to, you know, enormous events in arenas and stadiums and stuff like that, which is, it, it's a very valid experience. But to be in a room with a stage that's like only 200 people or only 150 people, mm -hmm. it becomes like being in someone's living room. It right. becomes very personal. And it's, I think it's much more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the last one they had, um, like I say, they, uh, the the people some of the comments were is like they were see, he that there was uh, John Lloyd Young who was yeah. who was there and they said you know he was singing to me <laughs> well yeah in a room for two hundred people you'd be surprised how many people you can see and sing to right I mean you know it, it, every it's so intimate intimate that that it's just it feels like you know it's just you and them I mean yeah. you know as opposed to being even 200 people or or, or you know. oh exactly that if you're good at if you're good at the job that's exactly what it is yeah, yeah. it becomes a two-way conversation yeah so uh, it, like I say hurry and get the tickets because you don't want to miss this and uh, Amanda I'm sure you're gonna do a great job and people are going to be just wowed <laughs> I certainly hope so yeah 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, uh, I just wanted to touch a couple more things before we, we head out uh, about your, your acting that you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of the, the ones that uh, I wanted to just bring up that uh, I have seen. Of course, uh, you have a legacy uh, of that a lot of actors either wish they had or have had, because it seems, but you, you are tied to Star Trek. You yes, know? I am. How was the experience of being on, you were on Star Trek The Next Generation, correct? I was. I was Patrick Stewart's girlfriend. How, what was that experience like? It was fantastic. <laughs> it was a fantasy fulfilled. I, wanted, I had wanted to be on Star Trek my entire life. And when, when this came to pass, and it was a great role, I got to play the, sort of the judge of the universe and uh, and flirt with Patrick Stewart and, and wear the uniform, and, and the cast and crew were so delightful and funny and silly, and it was just the best experience ever. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was a very relaxed uh, the Oh, the set. set's incredibly relaxed. You know, they'd been... They'd been working together for a couple of years, so everybody knew everybody else. And they were, it was a great joking. They, they played terrible practical jokes on each other all the time <laughs> and made each other laugh all the time and were singing country songs all the time. Really? <laughs> I th- Patrick Stewart confessed to me at one point that deep in his heart he wished he was a country singer. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, was, it was just a delight all the way around. Huh. And another one that you were on, um, this was on the voice acting side, uh, you were on the Smurfs. I was. <laughs> yes, I, I, I played a cute, as, this is a long time ago, so I don't even remember the name, but I was a cute and perky Smurf, yes. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I can pronounce it, Chlora, Chlorohydress or something like that? That sounds like something you would get at a pharmacy. That's what it does, yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't remember this. I have it in front of me, so but but I can't pronounce it. Okay, good. Neither could I, obviously. But uh, yeah, so there there you are. You did uh, many episodes of the Smurfs, so you uh, you were part of that legacy. Yes. And uh, uh, Mash, you. Oh, that was great. That was fun. It was a three-parter, and we got to there. There were uh, four of us. We played a USO, a touring USO troupe, and the head of the troupe was Gwen Verdon. So we got to spend almost a month with hanging out with Gwen Verdon, who is one of my, one of the dreams of my life. You know, she she was such a huge Broadway star mm-hmm. and such a doll. So that was a wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah. Now, so did you have any? Uh scenes with uh, Alan Alda or any of those people? Uh, most of my stuff was with, was with David Ogden Stiers. Ah, yes. Yeah, that... although I did, uh, I, he and I, were, we flirted with each other throughout. Although Alan Alda and I, and Mike Farrell and I got to be friends, but, mm-hmm. but David Ogden Stiers was my squeeze. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, Mike Farrell has been a guest uh, quite a few oh, years ago now on the show. Is. Yeah, nice guy, really Great nice man, guy. yeah. Yeah. And um, let's see, one more here. Uh, yeah. Hawaii Five-0. 
You did several <laughs> episodes of that. Many, many the original, episodes of that. The original. Yes, I was a regular on that for a while. Yeah. And that was the original one we're talking about, not the We're the talking remake. Jack Lord here. Jack Lord stuff. Yes, that's yeah. how long ago that was. <laughs> now, I have a one, one wonderful memory of that. The first episode that I did starred a young unknown actor named John Ritter. Wow. And John and I became friends, and we were having dinner together at one night during the week that we were rehearsing. And he said, I said, guess what? They've just decided to take this song that I wrote and put it in a movie. And he said, that's great. Guess what? I just got a pilot for a show called Three's Company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we each raised a glass of wine to each other and toasted each other and said, well, good luck. <laughs> Yeah, oh, he, he seemed like such such a nice guy. One of the angels on the planet. Yeah, one of the dearest people who ever walked. Absolutely. Yeah, shame, shame what what happened to him. But, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, well, you know, uh, Amanda, it's it, looking back at your career uh, as far as your acting, and uh, is there, of all the shows, and like I said, I picked out a couple of shows that, uh, you, picked you know. You out my favorites. Yeah, but I was going to say, is there one of these shows, even the one that, that may not, you know, be a big show that everybody knew, uh, is there one that you really enjoyed doing? Uh, I enjoyed them all, but seriously, MASH and Star Trek were the most enjoyable things I did of all of them. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Amanda, uh, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Oh, all right. All right. And these are the ones that everybody tells me is the toughest. Oh, okay. <laughs> these are the tough questions. Uh-oh. Save them for the end. Uh, but not really. Um, when you do sit down and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now in the past? What are you watching on TV? And what are your favorite movies now in ah, the past? Okay. Now I am watching and loving This Is Us. Uh-huh. So, so, so we, are a lot of other people, too. <laughs> oh, love it. And I just discovered, thank you, Netflix, uh, a series called The Killing, which is probably the best uh, cop crime show I think I've ever seen. Love, 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 love it. Those are my two faves at the moment for television Movies, well, <laughs> my favorite movie of all time is Jaws, and oh, okay. I, I will watch it every 4th of July, no matter what, <laughs> and uh, let's see, Galaxy Quest is mm-hmm. another one of my favorites, Did and I at like the moment, uh, of, of this particular, uh, oh, beautiful art film that came and went very quietly called Maudie, do you know about Maudie? No, I don't know that one. It's, it stars Sally Hawkins, who is the star of that wonderful film that's out now called Shape of Water. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, she starred in one that's based on the true life story of the woman who was the Grandma Moses of, of Nova Scotia. And she is brilliant. It's a beautiful love story. Hmm. It's her and Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Quiet little film. But I'm also, I also love anything with explosions. You know, Wonder Woman made me very happy. Thor Ragnarok made me very happy. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sucker for anything that has any kind of a sci-fi or a Marvel thing going. Oh, yeah. Now, you mentioned Galaxy Quest. Yes. Uh, which which I, I enjoy. I think that's a great, great movie. I think it's the funniest movie ever made. Oh, yeah. But did you know uh, that they were talking about making that into a TV series? 
No. Yeah, there's been talk about that. I, I, I haven't heard you know about it lately. You know, we on the show here we report about different things like that, right. and uh, that was is one of the things that uh, they have in the works. And wow. I, I, and now, if it was the original cast or most of the original cast, they'll something. never get the original cast. Right. They've all gone on to much bigger and better things. Right. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it, they, that would be a good show, I think. It. You know. I mean, well, it would be. It would be fun. It sure would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and of course it's so much in the vein of Star Trek, you know. I mean, well, po- yes, they were doing such it. an homage to Star Trek. I I feel about Galaxy Quest sort of the way I feel about um, Spinal Tap yes. or uh, <laughs> Best in Show, which is if I'm feeling bad, if I have the flu, I need to laugh, mm-hmm. and those movies make me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Laughter is always good for you. There's no doubt. Amanda, I want to stress once more that uh, you will be appearing at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California on Thursday, March 1st at 7.30. There are very few seats left. People better get on the ball, get the seats, because they're going to see an amazing concert. And Amanda, I thank you so much for sharing. It's been so much fun, and I thank you. Thank you so much for asking me. It was a delight. What a great guest. Amanda McBroom, right here on On Screen and Beyond. She wrote The Rose. Love that song. Great song. She's a, such a talented person. So many things she does. And you can catch her live if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area Thursday, March 1st at 7.30. A great concert going to be going on. Very intimate. And it's just something you don't want to miss. Get over there. Tickets aren't that expensive. And also, it's a beautiful theater going to have a great time you can go to the wine bar and whatever you want all right there and uh, have a great time so uh let's see here we've got a lot of things coming our way on on screen and beyond i told you this many times uh, in the past couple of weeks but uh, coming up in march we have marion ross joining us here at on screen and beyond mrs c from happy days can't wait to uh, get that one out for you and uh She's got a book coming out, so a lot of great stuff coming our way here at On Screen and Beyond. So uh, if you have a suggestion for a guest, be sure to send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. If you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are on iTunes, leave a review, all that stuff. So that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 